Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Come on, let me put... Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Brian said, do us a favor and connect so that we can help move you forward into being able to find your tribe and being able to get all the information you need. Uh, a couple of things before we get in the word. First of all, I always like to take a second and thank every person that is giving financially to Victory and all that we're able to do both in these four walls and outside of these four walls. Uh, two days from now, Tuesday night, we'll be right back in this place and there'll be a hundred men in this room uh, for a graduation service through our ministry that we support and partner with called Men of Valor that takes men from the prison system and it disciples them to be followers of Jesus. Got a couple of the men that actually attend Victory and call this their church home and it's an honor to be able to be here with them to celebrate them. There'll be men that are being honored for three months, six months, nine months, and of course the graduates of the year. Uh, because of those of you that give faith every month. We'll be able to provide them with dinner that night. We got people who are volunteering to come to love on these men. Their families will be here. Uh, and so I just want to say thank you because, uh, number one, I don't think I could thank you enough for all that we're able to do, but I also always want to challenge those who are not doing that yet, who are not uh, involved in a way where you're trusting God with your finances to consider it, to consider uh, trusting God through tithing, through offering, and all that we'll be able to do. You're going to hear in a couple weeks about our vision for the rest of the year and all that we are excited about that's coming. So again, thank you to those that give. Uh, if you'd like to start giving, you can do that, of course, three ways. You can do it through, uh, as, as the video has said, as Brian's talked about, you can do it online on our app. Uh, you can do it in the bucket on your way out. Or you can do text to give, or even that little thing in front of you, a little sticker in front of you, which we'll talk more about weeks to come. Uh, last but not least, with, with all that we're doing in this As For Me and My House series, we've been talking about resources from Ramsey Plus to our Bible Engagement Project app to Youth Ministry, all thing, and we've been talking about the Marriage Conference. Are you excited about the Marriage Conference? All right, so we do a one-day conference here. We did it last year for the first time. It was a hit already. We put the registration out last weekend. We're already at of half full capacity, okay? So if you want to be here and you don't want to lose your seat, do me a favor and jump online and register. It's a $50 cost per couple. It covers your food. It covers, covers your child care. We have child care. Uh, but if you're in here and you say, look, we're just at a place where we can't pay that, we'll scholarship you because we'd rather you be there than not be there. Uh, but just do me a favor and hurry up and register because you don't want to mess around and not be able to get in the door. Darla and I will be here as long with uh, our mentors, Ron and Kelly, who will be here doing some, some sessions as well. And it's just a great time to be together. Amen? Amen. All right, you ready for the word? Yes. You got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. In your Bible or on your phone, it, it'll look like a chapter, but Psalm 91. Uh, I want you to kind of put your thumb there if it's your Bible or just have your phone there if it's on your phone, because I am going to read from Joshua a couple of times before we get to Psalm 91. But similar to last week, the meat of the message, the part that I want you to really go home and have carved on your heart is in Psalm 91. We begin a brand new series last week called As For Me and My House. And this concept that we're really focusing on that last week and the next couple of weeks is that you and I would have a Christ-centered home. That it wouldn't just be you know, experiencing Jesus on Sunday for church, but that he would be involved in our home, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, whether we have kids or don't have kids, but our home would be centered around God. And so in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15, Joshua says this, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away all of these false gods that your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. He's saying, get rid of all of these false gods and serve God. I like how he's kind of saying, hey, let's quit playing games and let's get to it, you know? And he goes on to say, hey, look, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then, hey, choose for yourself 
this day whom you will serve. He's saying don't be hot, don't be cold, don't have one foot in and one foot out. If, if you don't want to serve God, then, then move on. But if you do, serve him, right? He said if you'd rather, you know, serve your God, the God that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in which you live now, then that's fine. And then he makes a declaration. He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. I love that. And it's a great time for you and I to make that declaration as well. I want to talk to you this morning from this idea, who's the boss? I mentioned last week that I have read a book called Taking Back Your Family. And in this book, the author really walks us through the cultural change of families. He talks about the Industrial Revolution and all these different things and how family dynamics changed. And at one point, he starts talking about the authority of the home. And as long as we've had families, we've had this weird war about who the authority is going to be. And sometimes culture kind of decides who the authority is. Sometimes it's just about our own home and who, who we, how, the way our system's set up, for example. Some of you might have been raised in a home where mom was really the authority. I think when you go back to kind of like my grandparents' age, where the, the, the husband, the dad, was going to be more in the farm with the kids, you had mom home getting food ready, and then when it was time, she kind of rang that little, I don't know what it is, that little triangle thing, ding, 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 you know, time to come on, time to eat, and mom kind of ran the home. Maybe you were raised in a home where dad was more of the authority. I think more of my dad's generation where, you know, dad, now in the Industrial Revolution and all that, my, the dads are gone at factories and things like that, and they're coming home. And so the attitude in the home was like, nobody bother dad, nobody say anything to dad, let dad sit on the recliner, let dad get the big piece of chicken, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's all focus on dad because dad's been out working, and so nobody, nobody talked to dad. Um, then I started thinking about like when I was a kid, and I feel like for a season, um, entertainment became authority. And here's what I mean by that. Do you remember that there used to be a time where when shows came on, that was the only time you could watch them? You know what I mean? Like if a show premiered at 7 p.m., you better be on the couch at 7 p.m. Because there is no Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime for you to watch it later. And so they built the whole, you know, they built our whole family culture around it. It was called TGIF. I don't know if y'all remember that. Thank God it's Friday. And you would get on your couch with your family and they would do like a 6 o'clock show and a 6.30 show and a 7 o'clock show and a 7.30 show. And that was your life. The entertainment ruled our life. Then Netflix came along and we took back the power, right? <laughs> and now the more I look around our culture today, I feel like in a lot of homes, the kids are the authority, you know, what they want and what are they doing. Regardless, here's what I'm trying to say. Healthy homes need a healthy structure of authority. And I think that the healthiest structure is one where God is authority, now, I understand biblically as you look at it, you've got the man of the household, the head of the household, and then so on. But I believe that at top, it must be God. Regardless of what your home life looks, at, looks like, whether you're single, divorced, married, kids, whatever, God must be the leader of that home. Now, I also understand this, that authority is not a popular word. I understand that for a lot of us, we've had some type of experience, potentially, with authority that was a poor experience, and as a result of that, we now question the concept altogether. It's possible for us that whether it was the authority that was in our home when we were being raised, or an outside authority, we experienced something that was taken advantage of, done wrong, and now we kind of, this whole idea of submissiveness to an authority is like, I'm not sure about that. 
There's one particular situation that happened in my life. I've had plenty of these run-ins. Um, but there was one that I think about the most that really had me questioning who they let get in authority. Uh, the year was 2020. Darla and I were wanting to be able to get away. It was a chaotic time, as you remember. And so we had the opportunity to go out of town with Brian and Erica. We were getting away for a couple days. And so we were out of town, and we were in the lobby of the hotel waiting for a shuttle or something. And I'm in the chair, and Darla's sitting on my leg. And Brian and Erica are standing just a, you know, just a little arm reach away, and we're just talking and waiting. And all of a sudden, the hotel security guy comes up to us, and he says, hey, you know, we got our mask on and everything. We're abiding by the law. He comes over and says, hey, I need y'all to get six feet apart. And so, you know, we're assuming that he's talking to us in the hogwood. So we're like, okay, and we're in a chair. And so Brian and Erica just kind of, you know, they're just obeying authority, and they're just kind of scooting over a couple, you know, getting ready. And then he looks and he goes, no, you two get six feet apart. And he points at Darlin. I don't know if he was that aggressive, but I remember him being that aggressive. And I'm like, he can't be talking about what I think he's talking about, right? And I was like, sorry, sorry, sir, you, you clearly don't understand what's happening here. This is my wife. He's like, I don't care, six feet apart. And I'm like, sir, just think about what you're saying for a second. I was like, we share a hotel room. You know what I mean? We're going to cross paths at some point. And he was still like, no, you know, this is the rule. And I, I, I was so passionate about him understanding common sense that I was, like, pursuing this officer. Like, but did you see what I'm saying? To the point that where Brian had to actually physically grab me and pull me away, and he'll tell you he was worried I was going to end up in jail. Is this what he's saying? But it's just moments where it's like, you know, I have a hard time submitting to authority when sometimes authority ain't worth submitting to, right? We all know in theory that we want to put God in authority. But practicing it as a lifestyle becomes challenging when we live in a culture that doesn't place value on God or God's way. How do we live a life? How do we have a home that is submitting to the authority of God, that is following the rules of God when we live in a culture that doesn't? What does that look like? And so last week, we introduced this whole idea of what do you and I do? We're all in seasons we've never been in before. We're either uh, moving into adulthood, graduating high school, starting college, starting a career, having kids, having our second kid, getting married, getting divorced, bringing our parents in, whatever this is. We're all moving into seasons we've never been in before. And so how do, what do we do? We mentioned in Joshua chapter 3, verse 3 to 4, and what Joshua says, watch this, is let God lead. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, a Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. We talked about the Ark of the God. Imagine kind of this chest, this golden chest that was the presence of God. The presence of God is now in us, but then it was in this Ark. And so they said, when the Ark moves, come out from where you are and follow the Ark. And then he goes on to say, watch this, then you'll know which way to go since you have never been here before. And so we said, oh, according to Joshua 3, the best thing you and I can do for God to, you know, in, in this season of our life is to let God lead our life. But how do you do that? And so we said inside that Ark of the Covenant were three things. And we've taken out each one of those things, and we're looking at the, the symbolism, symbolism of them and how those things guide us to live for God. So last week, we talked about the tablets of the Law of Moses, 
We said how that was symbolic of the word of God. And so how we are to build our family and our home on the word of God. If you weren't here, you need to go back and listen to that message. Because we talked about how in our culture, we're, so, we're taught to embrace for emergency instead of building for eternity. And how when it comes to our home, we can either be in Christ or we can be in crisis. And so we said you need to build your home on the foundation of God. We established the bottom. Now we're going to talk about the top. The next thing that's in that Ark of the Covenant is the rod of Aaron. The rod of Aaron was symbolic for God as your authority. Anytime you see a rod in the Bible, a staff, it symbolized authority. When shepherds had rods, they would use them. Number one, it established that that they were in fact a shepherd, that there was authority And they would use it for three things. Now, I only have two on the screen, but I'm going to add a third one. They would use it, one, guide the sheep. So if the sheep start to kind of wander off, because, you know, sheep are dumb. So when they start to wander off, he'd just get get over here. You know what I mean? Just kind of beat them back over. He'd also use it to correct them. You know? They start biting each other. You know, you just kind of give them a little newspaper dog hit. You know what I mean? And the thing that's not on there, the third thing is he would use it to protect them. So if all of a sudden wolves or something came around, he'd be like, get out of here, you know, and just kind of just beat them, just beat them down. So the rod itself, which represented authority, had three purposes. That authority would guide, that authority would correct, and that authority would protect. So it's the same thing with God. When you and I are under the authority of God, God is responsible for guiding us, God is responsible for correcting us, and God is responsible for protecting us. And when you and I get away from the authority of God, we no longer have the opportunity for God to correct us, guide us, or protect us. Can I tell you what's worrying me about where we are today? is that there is a teaching going on, there is an understanding going on that you and I can have Christianity and not be under God's authority. And that is not true. You, you can't. You can't be a part of Christianity. You, you, can't, you can't follow Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't be in Christianity and not want to submit to God's authority. But this is a real easy message to communicate, because listen to me. Everybody loves Jesus, right? Like, what's there not to love about Jesus? He's grace. He's mercy. He's awesome. You watch the shows, and he has those one-liners like, bazinga. You know what I mean? It's like, he's just awesome. Like, I watch him, and I'm just like, I want to follow you. You're so cool. And on top of Jesus being awesome, watch this. Church has become pretty cool. Like, there was a day where church was not fun to go to. You ever seen Footloose? Watch them in the church seeing kids sleep and slobber coming down his mouth. You know, no, no man wants to be there at all. The women are trying to leave their home, so they're dragging their family to the church, but nobody wants to be there. Fast forward to 2024, we got coffee. We got free child care. Music's phenomenal. Choir bringing the house down. It's an okay message. And you walk out and there's fellowship. <laughs> trying to be humble, man. <laughs> fellowship and groups and all. Like, the church is cool. So I was like, man, I love Jesus. He's awesome. Church, it's awesome. Let's do this Christian thing. It's like, well, you need to submit to God's authority. Oh, hold up on that. I love Jesus. I love my church. But I don't know about submitting to all of his authority. There's some things he's about, I think he's right about. But then some things, eh, 
kind of treat the Bible like a buffet. You know what I mean? Like I take that, that, don't want none of that. But here's the problem, y'all. The grace of God and the authority of God are inseparable. You, you can't have one without the other. Because it is the grace of God that makes us want to be under the authority of God. Because when you know the heart of God and the love of God, you say, yes, I want you to be the authority of my entire life. Look at you, you're amazing. In the same way, it's submitting to the authority of God that puts us in place to receive the grace of God. They are inseparable. And whenever we reject the authority of God or we fear the authority of God, what ends up happening is we lose sight of the great protection and benefits that the authority brings. When we step out of the authority of God, when we say, I refuse to submit to the authority of God, we lose sight. We remove ourselves from the protection and the benefits that the authority of God brings over our life. Everybody in this room, everybody, has heard this phrase before in their life. As long as you live in this house. Remember that? Some of y'all heard it with a backhand as it came across. Some of you, you've graduated in life where now you're saying it. <laughs> you heard it as a kid, but now you're saying it to your kids. You're just running. As long as you live in my house. Here's what that phrase meant. Here's what, here's what our moms and dads, here's what you mean when you say it to your kids. Here's what it means. Here's all it means. There are benefits to living in this house. You are protected in this house. This house has walls and locked doors and locked windows so that people can't get to you. This house has a roof on it so when it rains and snows, it won't get to you. This house has a refrigerator with food and drinks that are ready to nourish you. This house is a blessing. This house provides for you. This house protects you. This house guides you. But this house has rules. It has rules. And if you don't want to follow the rules, it's okay. But you can't be in the house. We understood that when grandmama said it, but the word of God says it. If you want to be under this protection and under this provision, you have to obey the commands. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. This story only exists because my wife wasn't home when this happened. Okay, just giving y'all context. But I'm at home one day, and my, uh, Casey Ray, who, who's nine now, she was seven at the time, and we get into kind of a, a disagreement, let's call it, uh, at, in our house about something she wanted to do. And I was letting her know, as long as you live in my house, you're not doing that. And so she didn't like that, and so she, you know, she kind of storms off and goes upstairs to her room as normal. I didn't think anything special about it. A couple minutes go by, and she comes walking down the staircase with a backpack on. And I said, uh, where are you going? And she said, I'm moving out. And I was like, good luck. <laughs> you know, you little girl, you ain't going to make it far. <laughs> you gonna come crying back to me. Um, and so, you know, I did what every great dad does. I went and opened the door for her. I was like, here you go. You just walk right out, girl. Enjoy yourself. And so she, she walks out. So I'm like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Your daughter's coming home at some point. <laughs> and so Veda, meanwhile, my oldest Veda has come down, and she you know, knows what's going on, so she's involved. And, and we walk out to the sidewalk in front of our house, and Casey Ray's about five or six houses down. She's that far down. And I'm looking at her, and Veda looks at me, and she goes, Daddy, you're not going to let her leave, are you? I was like, no, baby. <laughs> like, Casey. Oh. So she comes, you know, a little bow-legged self walking down, you know. <laughs> 
And she gets about right here, and I went, you want to go that way? <laughs> yeah! Parent of the year, baby. Look, I let, her only, I, she get, I let her get a couple houses down. I brought her back. Darla was coming home. We had to pretend like, you know, I was a good parent. And so I brought her back. But here's my point to that, is that this child was completely prepared to abandon all protection, all provision that me and her mother have for her, all because she wanted it her way, all because she refused to follow a rule that I had. And so she had packed her little bag, and she was going to be on her own. Listen, when you and I tend to want to prioritize our plans or our pleasures, at some point we will, uh, we will remove ourselves from the authority of God and instead substitute it with something or someone else. There is no such thing as no authority. If you say you don't want to be under God's authority, then you have to choose, well, whose authority are you going to be under? Well, I'm going to be under my authority. Okay. Or I'm going to be under the, the, the world's authority. Okay. Everybody's under somebody's authority. But what happens is we've been taught that God just wants to control our life and God doesn't want to let me have any fun. And so we don't submit ourselves to his authority. And then we've been taught that we can actually be a Christian. We can actually live this life and follow Jesus and not have to submit to any of that. But that's not what the Bible says. And then when we do that, when we remove ourselves out from it, we are actually losing the protection and the provision and the guidance that God gives us. So I want to give you an illustration. But in order for you to get the illustration, I want you to understand that in this illustration, the idea of authority is represented by an umbrella. Okay, so the idea of, of whatever that authority is going to be is represented by an umbrella. So normally when we walk away from God's authority, the first thing that we do is we want to be under our own authority. You see this in the prodigal son story, right? We've all been there. You can't tell me what to do. Hence Casey Ray, I'm moving out. She was going to provide for herself. I asked her, I said, where were you going to get food? And she said, we live right by Publix. That's what she said. I said, so were you going to steal it? Do what you got to do to survive. <laughs> she didn't say that. That's what I would have said. Oh. But, you know, we, we come out of God's authority, and, and now, now we just go, well, well, I'll figure it out, right? I'll figure it out. But here's the problem when we are under our own authority, is our own authority <laughs> is very limited. You know what I mean? Like, like if we look at it, we, we only stretch so far. You know what I mean? You can only work so many jobs, you can only do so much on your own. And so although we are under our own authority, our own authority is very limited. And though it, it may, watch this, it may protect parts of us, but it will not protect the whole. And so there'll be moments where, watch this, where for a second we actually think we got this thing figured out. I don't need God, I got this. Right? There, there, there can be this, this lie <laughs> That, you know, imagine just a, a small little bit of rain. You can be like, oh, I'm doing all right. But then if a downpour comes, guess what? You're drenched. Because you and I, we are limited. So there's only so much that we can do. This is why the prodigal son, when he gets on his own, he tells his dad, he says, give me my inheritance. In other words, I'll provide for myself. Give me my inheritance. The Bible says that was a lot of money. He should have been able to do it. But then the Bible says he went and squandered it with wild living. So now this has gotten even smaller. 
And now he's panicking. He doesn't know what to do. And then the Bible says a famine came, and he was in trouble. See, a lot of times we think this is enough for us. That, oh, I can survive until real life happens, right? My, my daughter was seven years old. Guess what? This covers more on a seven-year-old than it does a 39-year-old. I, I need God's authority in my life more today than I needed it then. We cannot get caught up in this lie that we can provide for ourselves, that we can protect ourselves, that we can guide ourselves or correct ourselves. When we accept this lie from the enemy that we are enough of our own authority, we will be caught in situations where we are getting drenched because we can't seem to stretch out enough to cover ourselves. So here's what happens. Same thing happened to the prodigal son. Say, okay, I can't be my own authority so now, I don't want to go back to God. God was strict. So I'm going to go to the world's authority, right? So that's what we trade. This is what the prodigal son did. The prodigal son said, all right, well, I, you know, I can't provide for myself, so I'm going to go get a job. So what we do is we step into a place where... <laughs> what happened? Where culture and this world is our authority, Right? Here's the problem with the world. It's broken. There's, there's holes out there. Some of their processes make sense, and sometimes the principles work. But in the long run, you're going to end up getting torn up. It, it doesn't work. It's broken. And so we go, watch this, we go from not having enough to really honestly not having anything at all. But, but once again, it, there's moments, right? I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm doing good. That's why, why oh, I'm going to preach to you, ready? That's why when you see somebody, you go, how you doing? You go, I'm doing good. <laughs> what about now? <laughs> and we're broken because we think we can let the world be the authority. So watch this. The prodigal son says, I'm going to go to the world, right? So he ends up with a farmer. And the Bible says that he is eating Pig food out of the troughs. Don't that look like, a, like this kind of umbrella to you? I'm doing good. <laughs> surviving. You're eating pig food. You're not surviving. You're not making it. But again, there's this idea that before I go submit to God, I'll be my own authority. Oh, well, that doesn't work. Well, I'll be somebody else's authority. And the entire time, this is how we look. Listen, I want you to understand something. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Man, the world is all broken. Let me see that. God may not agree with your agenda, and he may not permit your pleasures, but his law and his principles are always for your protection, for your health, and for your well-being. So I want you to see what the authority of God looks like. I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know the legalism you've been raised in. But I'm telling you right now that the best and safest place that you and I can be is under the authority of God. I notice, first of all, that it's enough. Remember, for me, my own authority just wasn't enough. God's is enough and more. Because you know when you have the right umbrella, you can get a couple family members under it. You know what I mean? Hang on tight. Let's go. 
I also notice that it's not broken. There's no holes, there's no leaks. Now we turn to Psalm 91. Theologians say that maybe Moses wrote it. Other theologians say that they think maybe David wrote it because it has similar themes to other past David writings. But I'm going to read to you verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip to 7 and 16. So here we go. Watch this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, they will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord, for he alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Now he's talking to us, watch. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, God your authority, watch this, no evil will conquer you. He doesn't say evil won't attack you. Doesn't even say evil won't cut you, but it will not win. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. I'm learning that sometimes I ain't even got to hold the umbrella. Goes on to say, they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Goes on to say, you'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. He's giving a trajectory of both this upper top animal, this this king of the jungle and this serpent on the ground, giving you a wide range. He says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I'll protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I'll answer. I'll be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them, and I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Do you see how he started that off with the ones who love me? The Bible says if you love him, you'll what? Obey his commands. When we love God, we submit to the authority of God. And when we submit to the authority of God, it is a result of being under the authority of God that we get to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need rest. Sometimes the the pace and the schedule of life is so exhausting, and the things that I didn't see that are coming around the corner are so tiresome. And to know that I have a God that as long as I'm under the authority of God, I can rest. I can be protected. Can I tell you what you need to be careful of? As your pastor, here's what I'm begging you. The culture is asking you to walk around with your relationship with the Lord like this. And I'm asking you not to do this. Trying to teach you that you can love Jesus and you can go to church and all these things, but that you don't have to submit to God's authority, but I'm telling you, God's not the one missing out here. We are. If you came to church today and it was raining and you saw me standing outside going, welcome to victory, come on. You're like, our pastor has lost his mind. Help him. This doesn't make any sense, but listen, this is what culture's telling us we can do as Christians. And the Spirit of God is saying, daughter, son, listen to me. Would you just 
bring yourself over. And if you will submit to my authority, you will find rest in my shadows. I'll protect you. Evil will not conquer you. Plague will not come to your home. Lion nor serpent. I will bless you. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will correct you. And I will come when you call. When we make God the authority of our lives, we have his provision over every area of our life. Let me explain. When we turn to God's authority for our marriages, the word of God gives us direction on how to treat our spouse, how to conduct ourselves, how to build our homes, and then our marriages are now under the safety of God. When we follow what the Lord says, our marriage is set under the shadow of the Almighty. Our finances, the Bible is pretty simple or, or, or pretty, pretty right in your face about this, that if you want God to be the authority of your finances, you tithe. And that when you and I tithe our finances, we move our entire financial life under the umbrella of God. And we are resting under God. Our kids, what does the Bible say about our kids? Train them in the way they shall go and what? They will not depart from it. The Bible letting you know that if you will put your home under the authority of God, watch this, and this is so, this is what I love about God. God says, if you'll be under the umbrella, then as long as they're under you, guess what? They're under the umbrella. My daughters have the authority of God over their life because the authority of God's over our life. So please hear me today. Do not find yourself okay with saying, well, Jesus is great and church is great, but I don't know about that whole God's authority thing. I'm telling you, get under it and feel the safety of it and the shadow of it. You know, one day it was pouring down rain. And uh, I was in Darla's car. And I got to the place that I was going to, let me just let, let me let y'all know something. I hate umbrellas, okay? They're troublesome to me. Not only is it a lot of work, you got to find it, you got to open it, you know. But then you get somewhere and now you just got this wet thing that you got to figure out something to do with. And so I just don't like umbrellas. And so anytime I'm out and it's raining, my first thought is, can I make it to the place I'm going to? and just get a little wet. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna get a lot of wet, just a little wet. So I'm in Darla's car one day, I'm going into some store, I don't know what it was, and I'm in the car, and the rain starts to die down a little bit. I was like, oh, I'm good, I'm gonna make a run for it. So I open the car door and I take off running, I'm, you know, it's my running puddles, you know what I mean, Jay? And I get into the building, I'm like, whoo, good. A little bit of rain, not much. A little bit of sin, not much, you know? And uh, doing all my shopping and everything, I get ready to leave. Now I got bags, y'all, bags of stuff. And I get to the door, and it is pouring down rain. I'm talking, <laughs> it's coming up. What is it, a washer? Is that what they call it? I don't know what happens when I try to do that. But it is pouring down rain. I'm like, oh, boy. Because now I don't have an umbrella. So I tighten up the bags, and I take off running and get in the car, and I am soaking wet. Y'all, I'm talking dripping, hair plastered to my forehead, just soaking wet. I get home, I walk in the house, and Donna's like, what happened to you? I was like, the rain. She said something to me that I just, I tell you, I never forget. She's like, why didn't you use the umbrella? 
I was like, ah. <laughs> it's hard to open. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know where there was one. She said, babe, you know we keep one right by the seat. Right, it's right there. It's right there. Why didn't you just use it? I just wonder sometimes if the father, if the father aspect of God is going, why wouldn't you use it? It's just right there. It's right there. Why are you soaking wet when I've given you protection and I've given you provision and I've given you guidance and all you have to do is submit yourself to it. All you have to do is bring your family under it, your marriage under it, your finances under it, your career under it, and you get to rest under the shadow of the Almighty. So many of us are coming, Spirit of God, so many of us are coming in every week soaking wet. Soaking wet. My marriage is soaking wet. My finances are soaking wet. My kids are soaking wet. And God, God, God would you do, God, could you dry me? Just, just turn the, the blow dryer on, God, and dry me real quick. But here's the problem, because he'll do it. His grace, he'll do it. Here's the problem. It's still raining. It's still raining. God says, I've given you my authority. I've given you my word. I've given you my commands that if you will submit your life to them, you will not have to worry anymore of going, I'm soaking wet. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I was talking to a young man after service, first service. He's wiping tears out of his eyes, you know. And I was like, man, it's just, it's just my, it's my heart. It's my heart for our church. talking to my oldest in between services and I told her I said you know what you you could leave my house right now and you'd still be my daughter but why would you why would you see here's what I love about the grace of God is the grace of God will chase you down you can leave the house of God you can leave that authority, those commandments, and he still loves you, and he'll pursue you, chase you, forgive you, redeem you, restore you right then. But here's what he's trying to teach you. Why would you leave? Why would you leave? Bring everything you have under this umbrella that is the authority of God, and I promise you, I promise you, you will find guidance in ways you didn't know you could have. You will find protection in area that you never thought you could have. You will find peace. There will be moments of correction that lead to growth. And you will look back. You will find rest. And you will say, God is good. He's good. There's two things you have to do to be able to submit to the authority of God. Number one is this. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus died for your sins, that you're a sinner, and you're saved. Don't leave here today 
without giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you've never done that before. You don't even know what that looks like. Maybe you did it when you were a small child, but you weren't really sure of the meaning. Do not leave today without doing it, all right? So close your eyes right now. If you are in here and you've never uh, asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you've never accepted his death on the cross for your sins, if you don't know, today, you don't know. If I die, I don't know if I go to heaven or I'd go to hell. I don't know if I'm saved. Raise your hand right now. Let me see your hand. Raise your hand right now. Let me see your hand. Come on, I have to make sure that everybody in this room is saved. Put it up where I can see it. Put it up where I can see it. Put it up where I can see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Put it up where I can see it. We got to do this first. We can't move on to second before we do first. Thank you, thank you. All right, put your hands down. Put your hands down. If you raise your hands, listen to me. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart that you are a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. But you are saved by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You believe Jesus died for your sins, and you say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you be my Savior, the Lord of my life? Which means I'm under your authority. So right now, if you raised your hand, you're making that prayer right now. Say, Jesus, I don't know what else to do. I need you to be my Lord, and I need you to be my Savior. The Bible says that then your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and for eternity you'll spend it in heaven with God. This is your opportunity. If you raised your hand, listen to me. We would love to walk with you in this process. I don't want you to get caught up in thinking you just say a couple things and then you walk out here, I don't know what to do. So I'm begging you. I'm begging you. We're going to come alongside you. I saw your hands. We're going to come alongside you and help guide you through this. It's important. Second is this. Look at me, everybody in this room. First is salvation. Everybody's saved. Second is obedience. It's you making a declaration right now this morning that God is going to be the authority over your home. That it's not what you want. It's not what you think. It's not what you feel. It's what does God say? God is going to be the umbrella over my home. He's the umbrella of my marriage. He's the umbrella over my house. He's the umbrella over my money. He's the umbrella over my kids. He's the umbrella over my career. He's an umbrella over my everything. He is the authority of my life. And under that authority, I get to rest in the shadow of the Most High. Can we do that right now? If that's you, you say, I want that to be. And anyway, I ask first service just to put your hands out in some way, just to symbolize a surrendering. Just right now, you can put them up, you can put them beside you, out front of you, whatever. But just do something where I can know that you are moving on this. You are moving on this, that you're asking God, would you become the authority of my home? That I would surrender to you, Jesus. Surrender to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, now look, stay like that, stay like that. Hands up, hands up, hands up. In Numbers chapter 6, there is a prayer that the priest would pray over the people. We just sung the prayer, but I want to pray it over you. Hands up. You are surrendering and submitting to God. You are moving yourself under the authority of God, the umbrella of God, and now I'm going to pray a blessing over your home. If your hand's in the air and your spouse is beside you, lock fingers or something. Come on. Let's be, let's be excited about this. God, put a blessing in our home. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I'm so humbled. So humble to even be able to do this. Come on, lean into this moment. Please lean into this moment. Father, I want to pray right now. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. 
May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Hold on, Ben. I want to do something different. I want you to repeat after me. Listen to me. Say, may the Lord bless me and keep me. May the Lord make his face shine on me and be gracious to me. Lord, turn your face toward me and give me your peace. Come on, can we worship him in this place right now? Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We lift up your name. Father, our homes, our children, our marriages, our money, Father, every area, Jesus.